Before we get started with today's episode, I want to tell you about SpotDraft. If you spend hours every week drafting and reviewing contracts, worrying about being blindsided by renewals, or if you just want to streamline your contracting process, let's talk about an end-to-end AI-powered system that'll save you time. SpotDraft is a contract lifecycle management system that helps in every stage of contracting, from creating and managing templates and workflows, to tracking approvals, e-signing, and reporting via an AI-powered repository, SpotDraft does it all. And because it should work where you work, it integrates with all the tools your team already uses. SpotDraft is the key that unlocks the potential of your legal team. Make your contracting easier today at SpotDraft.com. Welcome to The Abstract, a podcast where we interview some of the biggest voices in legal to uncover how they've grown in their careers, handled thorny challenges, and become leaders within the industry. One topic that's come up again and again in my conversations with leaders in legal is how they were able to go beyond the GC role and expand their remit, like becoming a COO, a financial chief, or even founding their own startups. In today's bonus episode, We're looking back on some of the best advice from across the first two seasons of the abstract so that you can make the journey to a new seat at the executive table just like they did. What we found is that flexibility, an operator's perspective, and a willingness to take on the kinds of complex tasks that other executives avoid will help boost you into new and exciting opportunities and roles. First up is Evan Furl. Chief Strategy Officer and GC at the HR tech firm Bambi. From his first in-house role at NASA to a brush with Corp Dev at Poshmark, Evan's been able to surpass the attorney label and move into a broader C-suite strategy role. Here's Evan discussing how he was able to leverage his GC role to get as close to the business as possible. Yeah, I mean, one of the main reasons why I even like got into in-house and like tech, etc. is like, I saw legal as a way to get as close to the business as quickly as possible, right? So it's like working even as just like a contracts attorney or whatever in my first job, I was like interacting with the CEO, the CFO, like our heads of product, like Eng, like everybody, you know? And like all of a sudden it was like, I was just like threaded out throughout the business. And, you know, like, sure, sure, I probably could have just like insulated myself and like not done anything and not pushed, you know? And there's nothing wrong with that, you know? Like I, I, I remember like, Somebody that I talked to early on in my career, they were like, you actually want to be a GC? And I was like, well, yeah, of course I do. You know, like I want like, like bring it on and it's not for everybody, you know? So like I, like my experiences are purely my own. My impressions are purely my own. Like if you just want to be a product attorney um, for your career, awesome. You should be, you know, like if you just want to be a commercial attorney, like I worked with like a really killer commercial attorney in my prior role. And like, that's what she like she loved to do it. It's like, awesome, do it. You know, like I'm, and I'm pumped for people when they find those things. In there. She's probably the best negotiator in the company, you know? <laughs> right. Yes. So like find the thing you're awesome at and you love to do and go do it. What, you know, what I always saw is like, okay, like what I think I can be awesome at is like positively influencing the business if that's through legal. Great. And then if eventually that allows me to increase my scope, awesome. But the quickest and the most dramatic way up and in, I saw was like, okay, how do I become a general counsel? Like, how do I get there? And how do I get as like close into the business as I could? So like throughout my early career, I tried to figure out where my gaps were and like plug those gaps, you know? So like anytime something came up at some total that I could be like, okay, how do I set myself up 
for success and potential mm-hmm. general counsel roles down the road, take it, you know, like, Oh, like our GC doesn't want to handle our IP portfolio mm-hmm. anymore. Sweet. I'll handle it. You know? Oh, like there's like this, like M and a integration stuff that like is thankless work and no one really wants to do. Awesome. I'll yeah. handle it. You know, because then like I sit in the next interview and I'm not just like BSing. I'm like, yeah, I've done M and a, yeah, I've done IP. Yeah. I've done this, you know? And like, I just love that. Like, Swiss army knifing kind of like mentality too. And so then, it, you know, from some total, I moved to VMware. VMware is like, I don't know, it's like a 150 person legal department. I was just like one of many, but still tried to like figure out ways to Swiss army knife my way around there. So like, you know, worked on this program where I could spend time with the corporate securities team, with the M&A team, spend some time with the employment and the litigation team, all while still doing my like key regular commercial job as well. And it's like, okay, like how, like, like how do I just take on as much as I can while still doing good work, of course, just like keep building, keep building myself. And it's not just building a resume. Uh, cause I think plenty of people lie on their resume and they go pretty far anyway. So I probably could have just done that, but it's like, how do I actually do? And, and, and then when I get into the role where they let me do even more, like I, I built that foundation. That was also one of the reasons why I like went back and got my MBA is I was like, okay, how many GCs out there have an MBA? Not many, mm-hmm. at least, I mean, at least, at least back then, maybe more do now. And I was like, okay, like that's because I, I would find myself sitting in M&A meetings, meetings with finance, meetings with accounting and so on. And I was like, I, mm-hmm. I can't talk to any of this. So it's like, how do I, like, how do I, how, how do I enable myself to talk to it in a really thoughtful way? And like going back and taking those finance classes and those accounting classes, we took HR classes, we took IT classes, et cetera, like then all of a sudden I can speak to this stuff. I'm not an expert in any of it, but then you start to show the business that you can make those connections that you can actually mm-hmm. like speak the language of other people in other organizations. Right. And like, just kind of like slowly building these building blocks until eventually I got to a point where I was just like, all right, like I'm ready to go try and be a GC if somebody will let me go be a GC. And then after that happened, I like my first opportunity to kind of grow and expand out of that was at hired when I remember like the, the CFO pulled me aside and he was like, Hey, you want to take on an, an additional team? And I was just like, yeah, of course I do. And he was like, do you want to know what the team is before you agree to taking on the additional team? Like, no, when the CFO asks you, if you want to do additional stuff, you say, absolutely. Uh-huh. Like, it doesn't matter what it is. I'll do it. So that, and that was the operations team at hired. And then like, that was like kind of my first step out outside of just traditional GC work. And, and, and that's where I feel like kind of the momentum started that like, yeah, I, I still wanted to be a GC at that point, but I wanted to be a GC mm-hmm. plus other things. What were those other things? And have, I mean, maybe I'll pause there because I've been super long winded about this answer, but that, but since then I've gotten the opportunity to, you know, expand Very beyond important. the role, which has been super special. It's one thing to move into another department within an organization or to take on responsibility for a new function. But how does a GC move to building their own company from the ground up after taking on huge challenges at established names like Cravath, Swain & Moore, HSBC, and Amazon's Audible? Renee Paula launched and sold his own startup, Sonar, and then took that experience to grow a consultancy at Bionic. This is what Renee has learned it takes to expand into a general leadership role from his time as a founder. 
in this type of consultant work, you have to sell the dream and the strategy and how is it that we're going to actually make a big impact in your massive organization, right? Because growing 2% for, you know, Apple this is, has to be super difficult. It's just so big, right? I think that kind of selling aspect probably was super helpful to have been a founder and have to sell my idea over mm-hmm. and over to people to like get the engineers and even get a company to build your prototype. Like everybody's like saying, like, we have so many opportunities. Why would I pick up your yeah. idea to help you with it, right? So the constant selling and then be able to truly bring down the strategy to like a few sentences and explain it extremely well with like extremely senior people. I think that's what was super helpful. Um, then otherwise, the rest is about just... You know, what I tell my kids, you have to be super comfortable with many languages, right? I'm not just talking about speaking languages, right? Like, yes, I speak Spanish and my kids now speak English, Spanish and like they're learning Mandarin. It's about like, you have to be extremely good at math, and finance and accounting. You have yeah. to be able to, you know, code if you can, right? Like, and so like some of the things that happened within my time at Bionic was simply that you know, as I spent time there and came in, I was like, wait a second, I'm not sure these numbers work, right? And so I started digging into it and our... Unit economics were not working. Mm-hmm. And so as part of the management team, I started pounding the table, like our numbers are incorrect. So I ended up taking over the finance team, right? Then you start thinking about like actual deploying people, consulting business. I'm like, wait a second, like we are assigning people like incorrectly. Like this is not the way it should be done. And then mm-hmm. the next thing you know, I ended up taking over operations. And so like being able to question things because you are dangerous enough in these other quote unquote languages, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's what made me successful at Bionic. As as we went to sell the company, um, I was able to then also articulate to Accenture again what was the secret sauce that we had because there's a lot of consultants out there, right? Sure, uh, that would made it worthwhile for them. Renee isn't the only lawyer on our podcast to take on a chief executive role. As the CEO of Streamline AI, Kathy Zhu also knows that experience as in-house counsel can prepare you to steer your company. Here she is sharing what it was like to move into her current position. Oh, it was incredible. You know, I just really couldn't wait to get started uh, because when I came on board, you know, we already had five paying customers Uh and they were pretty much all saying the same thing, which is, hey, Streamline is solving this problem that we've all been dealing with, you know, with chaos and this lack of visibility and not being on the same page with our business teams. And that was a huge validation that, yes, you're making the right decision, (laughs) Kathy. Uh, And, you know, Tyler, I also knew at the same time, there's just so much more I had to learn to be a successful CEO. But the fortunate thing is that working all these years as an in-house lawyer gave me great preparation for it. As many of our listeners will know and identify with, you know, we've done work, right, as in-house counsel with sales, customer success, finance, marketing, basically all of the business teams. And that preparation gives you so much of a head start and advantage Mm -hmm. um, because as CEO of an early stage company, you wear all of those hats. Uh, But luckily, you've already walked, you know, a little bit of the distance, right, doing the work. So that's why I'm a really firm believer that business-minded lawyers can actually make fantastic entrepreneurs. Kathy's background as a lawyer doesn't just help her work cross-functionally. More specifically, it's allowed her to offer a unique perspective in the product design process, as she's someone who's lived the experience of her clients. You know, I think 
when it comes to enterprise tooling, a really challenging thing for product designers is to be able to see the world through the user's eyes, right? If they've actually never done work in the user's role before. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what they need to do is to conduct a lot of you know, user interviews and try to incorporate the feedback. But there's always an element of it that's secondhand. I think for a lot of us who've used you know, legacy clunky software, not designed by lawyers, we know how that feels, right? Um, So the neat thing that we've really been able to do at Streamline is to leverage my experience from both doing work on the front lines as well as leading a team and really baking that perspective into the functionality. Mm -hmm. And you can't always conduct a fully-fledged user interview every time you build a new feature, um, but my CTO can come over to me and be like, hey, Kathy, what do you think about this new thing we're about to build? So it makes makes things a lot easier. So far, we've heard from experts who took on new roles outside of the legal field. But some transitions aren't about stepping away from your title as GC. They're about keeping your responsibilities and piling on a little bit more. That's why we invited Vanessa Gage, general counsel at the healthcare platform Cedar to share advice from her time as an interim executive at multiple companies, including a recent stint as interim CFO. For Vanessa, it's all about making sure your company empowers you to accomplish the tasks you need to get done. Yeah, and that's funny because if I had to do it again, I would probably have talked to more people and gotten some sage advice. And so I kind of muddled through it a little bit. I think I was excited. I was happy with the, like what I call the interim title. And over what I found is as kind of the days turned into weeks and turned into kind of months of of holding that, I, I, I came to a great realization that may not surprise some people here, but it was new for me. And that was interim roles, I think, are one of the hardest things that you can take on. You have all of the accountability and responsibility that comes with the full title. But with that interim piece, you don't come with the full empowerment to do that role well. And at some point, there's a tension between those two things. Um, and I was hitting it. And it's it comes down to things like hiring and capacity and planning And you're essentially in what becomes the longest job interview of your life, but you're not given the kind of the vote of confidence in the tools that someone who just came in knew would have. And um, kind of going back to me, I don't like to ask for things, but I realized kind of into that process that I needed to ask for things to be able to do my job well. Um, And you know, whether you're going to hold that job kind of truly on a temporary basis or you're going to hold it in kind of a, you really want to hold it for in a full-time capacity, I think being given the tools that allow you to do the job entirely are really important. Um, I was thinking back to it, it's sort of, you know, for those who spend a lot of time in law firms, it's sort of the same thing of, oh, we won't make someone a partner until they can prove Mm. they can get business. Well, one of the things you need to get business is the title. So it becomes kind of this self-fulfilling prophecy that you just, you can't leap over. And essentially I was kind of running into the same thing. And I finally just asked for it. And I said, hey, I need this to do my job. And they were saying, oh, that's kind of a no brainer. Here you go. We'll just take that interim piece off. And all of a sudden my job became much easier. You know, and through that, what I'd say is, yes, the company may still run a full process. I think that's important depending on the dynamics of the company and its growth stage. So you expect that, but you're going to be empowered to do the job as it needs to be done and have the right tools for it. And during that process, I think it's a great, it is a golden ticket. It's an opportunity to look at, well, do I like this job? Uh, Do I like this job at this company? 
would I like this job if the circumstances mm-hmm. were different? Now that could be, yes, definitely to one or more of those questions, or it can be, well, no, this is not really my cup of tea. Those are both okay. Um, and I don't think we talk about that enough of one of the things with interim roles is they really are a chance to try out yeah. a job and see what you think. They're also a chance to build the skills in a way where you are empowered with the tools you need to build those skills well, versus kind of like hitting a ceiling where you can't get through it. But regardless, you kind of need to go into that process and assume, I think that the kind of the the box that you filled in the company is not going to be the same when this is all over. Um, I think that was something that took me a little bit of time to get my, my arms around in the sense that I was being elevated into a different role and I was trying that out but I probably was never going to be happy back in the box that I was in originally. And that's okay. But I think working through that also gave me the ability to do my job better and kind of just come to terms with that. And so what, what kind of flows from that is what I'd say is you really do need to own it from day one or week one, or at some point early on in this process and just say, Hey, I'm going to do this job. I'm going to dive in. I'm going to learn new things. I'm not going to be perfect. But with that, I am going to be better for it. But if I kind of hold myself back of, oh, I might want to go return to my the thing that I had before, you're not going to succeed at it. And you're going to kind of set your up, yourself up for failure. I think also in that process, when I talked about this, is, this is, can be a tough subject to talk about because what overlays interim roles is often a lot of things that are just completely sure. outside of your control. You know, there's dynamics at every company that go far beyond whether or not you're good at your job. And that often is particularly at a point where you're managing a situation where you've kind of stepped into an interim role. So I think it comes also with maybe just reading the tea leaves and accepting that that can be how things go. But that doesn't, you kind of have to just internalize that and then move past it if you're going to succeed in the role and really learn and enjoy and grow from it. Let's wrap things up with some insightful tips from Janessa Stout, COO at Tally, who leveraged her time building an expertise in financial services regulation at the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau and PayPal into a wider ranging leadership position at Tally. Yeah, one thing I would really encourage people that are that are interested in that path is to really understand the business from many different points of view and understand what do these, what does this group care about? You know, what does this group care about? And try to understand the whole machine that fits together of the business, because that gives you such better insight into the way the company works. And and this it's true of lawyers, as we know, if you're, if you're the lawyer that comes in and is like, no, that won't work. That's not very helpful, right? The goal is to like, try to figure out a path forward. And I, I don't think that only applies to lawyers. I think that's true in any function is like, okay, what do we, what is Tally as a company or whatever your company is? What do, what do we need to do? Like, what are the objectives of the business? And so what can we do in service of that? So I think the first thing is if you want to expand your scope, you can't just stay in your lane and like, be like, mm-hmm. I'm the lawyer. This is what I do. <laughs> you do the other things. You have to be willing to, to branch out in a way that's not too annoying <laughs> to everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think another thing is be willing to own hard, complicated things that nobody else wants to do because <laughs> they're hard and complicated. And, you know, I, I mean, it's just 
like, it's a lot of work, right? But are, are you willing to take on this hard, complicated thing that needs to be solved for the business and you're willing to do it? That actually gives you a lot of scope and understanding um, and, and really wisdom about what, what the business needs. And so I think that's another path you can take. Um, but it you have to be willing to like really get in there and do things that maybe other people don't necessarily want to do. To maybe uh, sort of close out the the thought about how you can how you can grow over time, um, do you have a perspective on and it may be maybe a mix whether or not those other sorts of opportunities um, to take on a really hard problem are things that that in your career you sought out or are, are things that that maybe were brought to you by a mentor or another executive in the business? Hmm. Most of the things. I didn't seek out, but I don't think anyone was bringing them to me like, we think this would be good for your growth, (laughs) Janessa. It was more like, help, we need help with this. Will you help us? Um, Which is is fine. And that's the way like life works a lot of times. And so that's a really good question, Tyler. Um, I don't think, and maybe this speaks to my poor career planning. (laughs) I don't think there's a lot of things that I have been like, I want to be in charge of compensation. <laughs> that sounds right. great. But it's more like, okay, this is a thing we need to understand and figure out. And, and so let's do that. And let me, let me be part of that solution. But I, there's actually no reason though, if you were like, if you recognize, you know, I think I actually have strength and insight in this area. Let me volunteer to say, Hey, I could pitch in and help. How could that happen? I think that's a perfectly legitimate way to, to go forward also. That's all we've got for today. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Abstract. Make sure you subscribe on my profile to get notified as soon as we release new episodes. And if you're a current or former in-house lawyer or legal professional who's tuning into our show, I'd really love to know, how are you thinking about growing in your role and taking on more responsibility? Let's start a conversation. Share your stories and expertise using hashtag The Abstract and tag us on LinkedIn. We'll add the links in the description. Hope to see you all next time.